The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. My name's Nate Heininger, and this week I am joined by two killer co-hosts. Laura Nash. Shane Kelly. And this week we are continuing our coverage. Oh, I should have the- said, and Shane Kelly, because I was last. <laughs> <laughs> and Shane Kelly. It's all right. Let's, so I do love when Reagan's not here. Our goal is to make it as complicated and edit as possible for Reagan. 100%. So, yeah. Hi, Reagan. Uh, hi, Reagan. Hi. Hi. Uh, and this week we are continuing our coverage of the 2021 Interactive Fiction Competition. If you have not listened to the first episode, recommend going back to listen to that one first, where we talk more about the competition and this year's iteration of it. Uh, this week we're just going straight in the game, so we're going to continue our round robin uh, approach. Although this week we uh, that round robin will start as a. Uh, a hand-holding session as we all talk about a game together. Um, and then at the end, uh, you know, Reagan was not able to record with us this week, but he did continue his uh, onslaught of game playing, and he intends to record some thoughts and, and drop them in uh, at the end. So uh, you know, apologies to the listeners for no Reagan at the beginning, but you'll get your Reagan taste at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, let's just let's get right into it. Uh, let's give the people let's what they it. want. Let's talk about some interactive fiction games. And so, uh, we've said uh, numerous times that we don't necessarily take a um, structured approach to how we play these games. It's a combination of fan recommendations, the randomizer button, and just whatever happens to sound interesting to us at the time. And this week, we happen to all play the same game. Um, and I think, you know, we'll give Shane is the only one who actually marked it on the spreadsheet that he was playing it. So this is, if it's anyone's fault, it's not it, Shane. So we'll give it him. Know. Shane, Shane did the right thing. And uh, I just happened to play it because I thought text ding was an interesting concept for a game. And yeah. uh, Nate picked it because the simulation's broken. So let's let Shane talk <laughs> well, about it well, as the person well, who did on. the sure, right Let thing. me start it off. No, hold on. To be fair, I do want to give a shout out to LK Campbell in the Discord who wrote a compelling reason for why this game was interesting. And that's what made me play it. I did not realize that you all had already played it as well. Th- this one's kind of random, yeah, because I picked it mainly because – one of my favorite features on the IF Comp website is the personal shuffle where you can say, just, you know, give me all of these in one order and it'll give you them in the same order every time. Um, I don't know whoever came up with that feature, but it's great. It's a smart one. Uh, it was my first game on my personal shuffle. And um, Closure is created by Sarah Wilson, who is someone who is into interactive fiction, but also escape rooms. And I think that really comes through here. Um, This, in a lot of ways, reminded me of our little uh, online escape room. You can go back and listen to our episode of that, because the structure of this game, or I guess the format, you could say, is it is a kind of inform-based, traditional, uh, you know, get lamp text game, 
You know, it, it, it uses a parser, uh, but it uses the parser in a way that is a little bit different in terms of the tone. Your friend at college, Kira, has um, decided to basically break into the dorm room of her ex-boyfriend to try to retrieve a photo. As as we all have at one yeah, point in you know, lives or another. <laughs> no comment. So it is it is kind of a uh, low-stakes heist game. Um, but she is texting you the whole time. And so you play the game by basically telling her what to do. So uh, she's the world's most um, uh, indecisive uh, break-in artist. And uh, she is burgling her ex-boyfriend, and you're telling her, you know, do things like open the drawer, look inside, uh, which is really fun. It, it is fun, and it is also funny to me. Like, I've said on the previous episode that I'm I'm not really a fan of parser games, but this one looked compelling. And, and I do like a parser game where, like, the commands you're typing in are actually – you know, going into the game world rather than just sort of like controlling a character. And I thought that this was an interesting way to handle that, which is that your commands are ostensibly text messages that you're sending to your friend. Uh, But I also was like, it was almost like game breakingly strange that someone would go into a room, like they've planned all of the way to go and like break into this person's dorm room. And then they stop at that point and they're like, all right, I need to text my friend. Uh, and they're going to guide me through the entire rest of this thing. See, um, I was okay with it uh, because <laughs> it felt like you were egging her on that by yeah. you telling her what to do, she felt got to have some kind of moral high ground. <laughs> while she, I uh, think because that's you're part the, of the, you're the one of the being like, yeah. hey, why don't you read those papers? Hey, why don't you look at his trash? <laughs> I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's part of the point is that she'll be like, I, uh, I don't. I don't want to look at those papers. And you're like, look papers, <laughs> you know, cause it's still, it's a part, <laughs> you know, investigate papers. I like, I want to start texting my friends in parser language, you know, investigate bar tonight, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is what it is. It is a really good concept for a, like a text game and the style of it and the way it's presented is really it brings the style of the text message conversation together with the writing in text message style uh, really, really well at, in a way that is basically, as far as I can tell, under the hood, just your typical parser game. But with this text bubble presentation that puts it in kind of a whole new context, um, I don't think I've seen – I have seen games where you were like texting with someone before, but I haven't seen one like this that was – so um, directly like an adaptation of like classic parser style games. And it works very surprisingly well, even though you are still doing things like telling your friend over text, look, calendar, you know? <laughs> but the the thing that I like about it a lot is the, the friend's personality comes through really well. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that made me laugh is it asks you up front to uh, tell – your name and a couple of things about yourself, like what you like to do in your spare time. And it'll kind of drop those in very well. Um, I, I put in my name as Shane. And at one point she's, she's texting you back and she's like, Shane. 
I did this. Yeah, Nate. Yeah, like I, I, I definitely, I thought the, I agree. I thought the, the characterization of the friend was good and sort of mm-hmm. her like, uh, I don't think I should do this. And, you know, then the like, I, you could see this, this concept of like the, the, um, commands you're entering in being like directly pushed back on by the, uh, person you're telling to do them like as an interesting narrative device. Uh, and I also kind of appreciated that, like that could be used in a lot of very dark and twisted ways if you really wanted to. And this game was like, no, it's kind of fun. You know, it's like, like you said, it's low stakes. Uh, you know, it's a little weird that she's like broken into her ex-boyfriend's dorm and is just rifling around it. But like, that's also like pretty normal, like, you know, late high school, college, early college Hijinks. behavior. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it all feels, you know, pretty, pretty real. You know, there's like a little bit of a, she's like, oh, no, he might be coming back any minute. And like, so there's a little bit of a pressure feel to it, but um, it's all pretty lightweight. And uh, the game in total takes like 30 minutes, I think, at the most, really. Um, yeah. So uh, a really nice, tight little experience. Um, yeah. Any other any other thoughts on closure? I want to give a shout out to the idea that at the beginning it asked you a thing you like doing and a thing you do to relax because I said like taking a bath and she kept being like, I really should have just taken a bath. <laughs> like just kept saying that. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> like shouldn't have broken into my boyfriend's apartment or dorm room. Should have just taken a bath instead. I was like, that's it's just a funny <laughs> thing for someone to say. Yeah. I had a weird one with that because yeah. of the, one of the things I put in um, is like, what do you do for fun or whatever? And I said, I did playing guitar uh, and a guitar features prominently in this game. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, no way. It like, you know, it like inserted, <laughs> it like took the the verb that I chose and, and dropped it in as an item in the game. And then I, after I finished it and saw like there was documentation around the guitar and everything, I'm like, Oh yeah, there's no no. That's not, I just happened to <laughs> like mine just happened to line up with with an existing item in the game. But I was I was briefly really excited about that sort of potential for generation. I also loved that at the end they said you know type amusing to find the funny Easter eggs, and they gave you a list of things to try. I did not go back and try them, but I I had done a few of them. Like I, I did smell the shampoo, and it was one of the best responses in the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had done a couple of them as well. The one that I wish I had thought of, because this is like perfectly, you know, evil ex-girlfriend behavior, which is unplugging the fridge. <laughs> so funny. You can unplug the fridge, which is such a funny thing to do if you're like breaking. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you think the writer like had done that at some point, you know. I, I, all we really need to say about this one, I think people should play it because it is extremely well made and it's well made in all the ways I care about for this kind of game. Uh, it's short, right? I do care about that. But uh, the writing is really descriptive and characterized. The puzzles are easy enough for me. And in places where the puzzles were a little trickier, it has good hinting. Has in fact in character hinting. You can type hint to your friend, and she's like, "Well, you know, I haven't really looked at the fridge yet." <laughs> yeah, I did that as well. It was very nice, and and the overall presentation like was above and beyond what you usually would see on this kind of uh, a piece of games writing. You know, it it does some work with 
uh, CSS or you know whatever it is she's using to restyle all of your texts, all of your stuff as text bubbles. Uh, it's very very polished. Uh, I think I think this is going to do really well in the contest. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe my first five star game of uh, of IF Comp. Uh, so what are we doing wow. next? Wow, we don't we don't normally uh, talk about our scoring here, so a little bit of a yeah. peek behind the curtain. So. Uh, all right, but you know we're not here to influence the comp, but uh, it sounds like no, we all reco- no. sounds like we all recommend you go and check out this game. So uh, next on our list, I think it's a, another game, Shane, that you're going to talk about. Sure, this one uh, grabbed me based only on its name at first. This is Funicular Simulator 2021. Great name. Mm-hmm. Funicular Simulator 2021 uh, grabbed me, like I said, because of the title, mainly. Um, because it kind of reminds me of the kind of games that have that weird like um, cult following on Steam or whatever, like trucking simulator kind of games. And I was like, what on earth do we have here? Uh, I have had in my life the the pleasure of riding a funicular. And I think anyone who might not have had such a pleasure, you should know that it is basically a uh, sideways elevator train. Uh, that goes up mountains generally. Um, Funicular Simulator is has surprising depth to it. Um, once you, it's not really just a funicular simulator. In fact, it's very in very small part a funicular simulator. This is a game that's kind of full of magic. This is uh, it's written in Twine, um, and I think you know. Similarly to Closure, this one does a lot with twine that I had not really seen before or like had was was done, you know, well and a kind of a, a nice way to extend the text uh, experience. Um, in this game, you are riding up a mountain with four different people. Um, and basically, uh, you get to choose one of the people to sit next to or interact with in your ride up the mountain, uh, in this funicular. Um, and the, you know, you can, eventually you'll end up kind of interacting with all of them. Um, there are, you, you go through, I think like three different loops up the mountain, picking each time one of the four different people you can talk to. Um, and the interactions that you have, it's kind of twine based conversation style, where you know you're choosing, you know things to say and and inter- interact with the people, uh, but it becomes pretty quickly obvious that this funicular is going up a magical mountain covered in magical crystals, um, and at the top <laughs> you're going to be witnessing nice. a beautiful and magical aurora. Um, the thing I liked the most in this game is just generally the writing. I'll, I'll kind of focus on maybe one of the characters because I think getting too much into it is kind of spoilery uh, and the game's like 20 minutes. Um, so like the, you, you meet this artist who, as you discuss with him, like he is kind of running from um, an arranged marriage and has just sort of hopped onto the magical funicular as a way to get away. Um, and the there's a lot of um, kind of expression and choice baked into the way you have these conversations with these people. So you can you can decide like pretty much do I do I want to 
engage in a lot of conversation with this guy. You can learn about him in that conversation. You can kind of pull away. Uh, you can uh, be a little romantic with him if you want. You cannot. It, it's there's a lot of um, yeah. It's it's an interesting one, and um, I'd like to go back and maybe play through this a f- again if I have time. I think I will because it it feels like the kind of thing where the sequence might matter a little bit. Like in the second uh, the. The second person, I I won't get into a lot of the details. We get into some of the spoiler territory here, but the um, uh, the second person was a scientist uh, that I interacted with who was studying uh, the um, sci-fi properties of the crystals, mountain, and aurora. Um, and there were some kind of funky uh, interactions there where you're like um, not just doing sort of the typical twine choices you're you're interacting with some on-screen scientific apparatus stuff like that mm-hmm. um, and then the way that they dealt with these aurora because the, at the top of this mountain there's this uh, special aurora that you can see is to really play with the background colors uh, with a bunch of like cool gradients to kind of simulate the aurora and it was mm. done very beautifully as was uh, kind of once you get into those scenes, they play around with the text effects a little bit too. So I think on a technical level, this is a really nice piece of work in Twine. Um, and yeah, just the writing was really lovely and pretty. It's not going to be like a puzzle game or there's no heists here, but it's one that is kind of a, a, a kind of a character study. And I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, this one is the work of two people, one of whom has done games before um, that I found here, Mary Gooden. Um, she, by the way, is a author, Laura, for um, for Fail Better. I think she's also ah. done I, – I, at one point I, I had tried to look her up. She had. I, I figure you would recognize some of the Fallen London storylines she was responsible for. Probably. if She's done some exceptional stories. So yeah, she has written several pieces for Fallen London. Uh, these are all I, I don't I don't play Fallen London, but I know Laura, you do. So maybe you'll recognize names like uh, the Murgatroyd Formula, mm-hmm. Written in the Glim, Homecoming, Leviathan, A Crown of Thorns, or Steeped in Honey, among others. Um, I don't know if any of those ring a bell. Yeah, Steeped in Honey for sure, and um, I, I think she's done a combination of the paid exceptional stories, and I think she also has done some storylets that are a little more um, for in-game players. So I've definitely enjoyed her work for sure. Yeah, this is kind of had almost a Fall in London vibe to it. It's a little bit of a different tone because it's kind of um, you know Magic Mountain rather than Magic Hole in the Ground, but the. Um, <laughs> The it's overall, magic. That's the uh, opposite tone of like, like you know, you come in expecting something that is a simulator, and what you get, in fact, is a um, otherworldly um, character study. So I, I, I liked it a lot, and I would definitely recommend people check it out. Uh, yeah, and the second name on here is someone Tom Leather. Um, I'm not sure what, uh, like, who who Tom Leather might be. Uh, I I don't see any other work by Tom Leather on IFDB. But uh, yeah, uh, you did a good job, both of you. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, Laura, I think you're up next. Yes, I always try to find a um, witchy, spooky, culty game every year. I I wasn't intentional, but I think it's always because it's October. 
uh, September, and I'm usually looking for something that is my yep. vein of spooky. Uh, this year, it is We the Reminder by Charm Cochran. And uh, I play this, Math Brush had recommended it as religious horror twine with a world model and keys. Um, normally, a religious horror game is, um, sometimes it's my bag and sometimes it's not. Uh, I tend to like them when they are uh, less of the carry variety and more of the like, oh no, what if religious horror, all those scary things they mention in the Bible actually are real. And this <laughs> is definitely of that category. Um, it is, uh, I want to call out immediately that this has one of the uh, more elegant ways to display content warnings I've seen. Uh, when you start, they say content warnings, you can click on it. Um, and But it's optional. They don't display them by default. Uh, you have to opt in to see the content warnings if you don't care. Uh, I personally don't didn't feel the need for them, but I wanted to see how they displayed them. When you click in, they didn't have broad categories. And if you're concerned with any category, you can then click into that to get detail on exactly what the content warning is. So it's like different mm. levels of explicit content warning. So if you're trying to avoid spoilers, if you have something specific, a, a, a trigger word or phrase or thing you really don't want to see in a game, you can get that level of detail. But if you just want to know broadly what you're getting into, you can. And if you want to know nothing at all, the game does not force you to engage with the content warnings, which I would love to see that be the norm. Just want to lay yeah, that that's out great. There. It's right on the first page. Um, but the game is built in Twine, and the idea is that as you are navigating the world, uh, you're in a wheelchair, um, the first sentence is, it's been 24 days since everyone else floated up. You haven't been out since then. Uh, <laughs> and great. Everyone's gone. You're in this creepy aftermath of a event that has happened and you had grown up in a cult and you are dealing with the aftermath, trying to figure out what happened and also like trying to get food because you might be starving. So there's a couple goals of the game. Uh, you need to get enough food to make it through the game. You need to get enough food to get out and get out. I mean, I got the quote true ending, but it sounds like there are other ways to finish this game that I was not able to find. Um, it is a very evocative language, like the way that they, they have great imagery. You do a lot of clicking on things and you, you know, the twine thing where they have a sentence and you can click on different words and each one takes you a place and you go back. Yeah. The word there is look away. You choose to hmm. look at something and you can look closer or you can look away. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So you're moving around. You're looking at things that are disturbing. You're looking at things that are beautiful. You're looking at things that evoke memories. You can find hidden memories as you navigate around where you dip into. Like the screen goes red and you go into like a recapture and you go back. Um, you're maneuvering around in this wheelchair um, but they, sometimes that's a limitation. Sometimes it's not. 
but a lot of this is putting you directly into a world. The text is in the center of the screen, and above it, below it, to the right and the left are your north, south, east, west options. But it says, like, the street you're going to. And at some point, you get a map that you can keep that's an ASCII map that you can look at if you want to, to tell you how to navigate around to different buildings. You're getting keys to unlock places you couldn't go before. Um, you're finding dead bodies. You are finding things that Spooky. may or may not be angels. You are finding evidence of things you didn't really want to look at closely, and you can opt in <laughs> how close you want to look at it. Um, I think one of my favorite things about it uh, is that you have this mystery woman appear, and she may or may not be the like the angel from Revelations. <laughs> Like the, the, the harlot of the world, but you see her and she disappears and it is completely left up to you. If that is a manifestation of your hunger, if that is a religious fever or if it's physically manifesting, the game is very neutral on whether or not these things are happening to you. If it's because they feel real to you in the game. Um, I also really appreciated that the game uh, is kind of tracking where you've been. And when you try to go back to a place, you can sometimes, and sometimes you can't. Like if something traumatic happens to you in the game, you try to go back there. They're like, that's a terrible decision. Like it's too horrifying. Or don't don't go, do that again. Like, don't do that again. It's bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have done it the first time. You don't shouldn't go have do done it, it again. the first time. Exactly. Um, I will say one thing that I found distracting is – all of the names other than yours are stones. And it was distracting because a lot of the names were used in Steven Universe. And I was very distracted because like uh, Amethyst and Sapphire and yeah. Carnelian are running around. And it was to me that was a distraction. It will if that never occurred to you, it's not gonna be a problem. But right. yeah. the names of all other characters, Miss Pearl, like all the names are after stones and you're going to get a Steven Universe vibe if you watch that show recently. It's buyer beware, I suppose. <laughs> um, love me some Steven Universe. Love me Same. some Steven Universe. Um, it also tracks your turn. Like the end, they give you a nice summary. They track your turns. They track what you accomplished. They tell you how many optional memories you found. Turned out I had actually completely completed the game. And I, <laughs> That's I found, nice, though. Yeah, I found all the optional memories. Uh, I got the true ending. Um, took me under an hmm. hour, but it is. Can you imagine so with this? Um, can I ask when? I think was Mathbrush described this as having a world model. Yes. Uh, which tell me about what that means in the context of a Twine game. I think it means there's a physical map, and you are actually moving around it. So I think that was mm -hmm. partly the, you are navigating based on street names. You're not going North, South, yeah. East, West. You click on, uh, you go up on the screen to go up into the chapel. Like they physically put the world onto the text, um, which I think really helps. It's said in the script that you are so familiar with community. Like these are the streets you've grown up. You've never left this world and you know it intimately. So it feels right that you are not wandering around aimlessly, that you are going, you are turning right onto 
uh, a boulevard you've been to, you were going to the market, you're not going left. It makes sense. Like it, it feels a little more complete to me. The model's mm-hmm. very solid. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's not something you see in a ton of twine games. Mostly that's very, um, you know, moving around is something that parser games tend to do a lot better. And I think they do as well to make this physical model more potent is whenever you're in a place you've never been before, it calls out like, Hey, you're in a wheelchair. You've never been called to the front of the class because they don't want to embarrass you by writing on the board. So you've never physically been at the front of the class looking at all the desks. Like they'll call Mm -hmm. out moments when you're in places that are new or unfamiliar vantage points. Um, I really found that piece you know, there are a lot of dead bodies this game, too. I just have to say, if you're looking for something halloween this is, like, pretty gross. Uh, it gets pretty visceral. Um, I enjoy playing a game when I finish it, and I'm not sure how much of it was real. Yeah, I like that. Sounds really cool. And uh, perfect for spooky season. It's perfect for spooky season. Uh, I think it sounds great. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I will say there are a couple typos. But on the whole, it's very polished. There's no bugs. Yeah. So just know if you're a person who will be taken out by that. That I think they've they're getting corrected, though I believe. Great. I know a lot of people really, um, you know, rush to get these things in time for the comp, and then they're kind of updating through the comp going on, um, which I think you know I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, um, I'll go ahead and go into my next game. Uh, speaking of. Uh, spooky season i the next game i played was called taste of fingers by v dobrinov and i will say i picked this game exclusively because of how like that name taste of fingers just stood out to me so strongly it's a choice man (laughs) yeah it just felt so evocative um uh, so V. Dobrinov uh, has this game, and he actually has, or uh, they have another game in the comp um, called How the Monsters Appeared in the Wasteland. So very different uh, naming scheme. Um, and as best I can tell, this is their two first, two, the, the two, their first two games that they've made, or at least the two that they've submitted uh, to comps before. Um, so I played Taste of Fingers, it is a uh, a game about a traveling businessman who is now stuck in a foreign city um, because the world is coming to an end. And uh, it, it's a really interesting storytelling device. The um, guy is has has locked himself in a closet in the back of a coffee shop, and he has. Uh, you don't really know why he's locked himself there and he is passing the time um, by sort of thinking about the events that have led him to this closet and the uh, sort of the slow trickle of events and news that led to this. And it's a really interesting storytelling device because um, you don't really know why he's there. At first, I was like, "Is he was he put here?" Um, you know, you slowly learn that he's there on his own, um, and then you slowly start to learn why he's there, uh, what has happened, and um, there's a couple switches, like perspective switches, that happen, and it's it's really interesting. I think the like 
what it really reminded me of was reading um, World War Z, you know, which is these like, um, which I loved the novel. I, n- I did not see the see the movie, but uh, I, like you know these like hyper focused individual stories of a um, you know like a an apocalyptic situation, um, and it was pretty compelling and gripping at times. Um, they did some interesting things with just adding pacing into Twine um, by. You know, it's the type of game where you're mostly just clicking next and just reading, but there are times when you have an option, like, which memory do you want to remember? And you're only going to be able to pick one or two of the list, and so there is some replay ability on this as well to see the other memories. Um, But sometimes you click, and it'll be like a short tense uh, sentence, and you click again and get another sentence. You click again and get another sentence, and then sometimes you click, and it's like, you know, full-on paragraphs. And it just, it does a good job of pacing things. Um, So, you know, I don't want to go too much into spoilers or anything like that, but I I did enjoy reading it. Um, I thought it was well-written and well-crafted. I I do... uh, I took a screenshot of something though. You mentioned Steven Universe, and though I know the game, like that was your reference, that wasn't in mm-hmm. the game, or at least the the gemstones were not clearly intentionally references to Steven Universe. However, in this game, there's a line where they write, "Someone's discarded yellow umbrella, long since dry, lies in the corner under the table. It bears a colorful logo: a guy called Finn with a beady-eyed dog named Jake." Another cre- another creation for balding infantile losers. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Ash. Ouch. Now, this does lead me to my uh the only other real point I have on this game is that like the protagonist you don't really like. <laughs> you yeah. know, he kind of he kind of sucks. And so that's a compelling it's an interesting thing in these games where uh that you don't often see in sort of like survival horror uh apocalyptic things where like the main character in this case the only real character that you're uh um you are like seeing through the eyes of is shitty <laughs> and, and, and i've really been loving playing this game uh it's called catcher in the rye i i think I'm gonna <laughs> yeah, go kill, right. <laughs> kill john lennon yeah exactly so it's um and and they're shitty, not just for uh, – that's like the only – it actually stood out to me so much because it's like really one of the only – it's like a, it, it's a, you know, a reference to Adventure Time. Like the rest of the game is pretty broad and doesn't really make like many cultural references or anything like that. So it's funny to me that the one direct reference like that was uh, about Adventure Time. Um, but – it adds an element where the the protagonist kind of sucks, um, and for reasons beyond them digging on <laughs> Adventure Time fans. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it took about 25, 30 minutes to play through. Um, basically, the the speed it will take will be dictated on how fast you can read because it's it's there's not really very many choices um, or anything like that. So um, I recommend it. Um, I'm going to likely check out their other game that they submitted for the comp because I enjoyed this one as well. Awesome. So uh, continuing my spooky season trajectory, uh, I briefly flirted with playing a game that was highly recommended that was Western themed, but I was not in the mood. I think I wanted something a little sillier. 
Um, I'll probably still play that one. But I ended up playing Dr. Horror's House of Terror by <laughs> Aid or Ade. Uh, they've done – It's uh, such a spooky name and also not spooky at all. It's so campy at the same time. Like I love the title. It is it's- perfectly pitched to the game. They matched the brief. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so they've done a couple games before, including map in 2015. This is the first time I've played a work by them. And, uh, it is a game where it opens up in a horror scene and Dracula's coming towards you and all of this happening and you, Eek! and then cut <laughs> gets yelled. You are an actor in a terrible, uh, it's not Hammer Films, it is Mallet Productions um, by nice. Arnie Mallet, uh, not nice. Arnie Hammer. Um, although Blake Lively is in the is one of the actors on set who is better than you. And you're a terrible actor who can't remember their line. So the first thing you're doing is trying to say the line right. You finish up and then you're in trouble. You get booed into the hallway waiting for the head of the studio, Mr. Mallet himself, to meet with you. You wait around for a bit and uh, you can go down the stairs. And this is all the first five minutes of the game, so I'm not going to consider a spoiler. You uh, go down into the pit and, oh, no, pentagrams summoning literal blood sacrifices and you're the sacrifice (laughs) oh no hate it when that happens um this game is campy it's silly it's very funny it's very violent but you tend to do um as someone else in the uh review said you initiate the violence um i think one of the best traits of this is that it's a very puzzly game but it's incredibly uh, ornate in the way that like a reanimator or a B movie has that like extra over the topness. So you can do very um, gory things in it, but it is not a Chandler Groover type of messy. It is not a religious horror type of messy. No, this is like buckets of blood everywhere type of results to your Love actions. It. Uh, Love you it. have, you are a B-movie actor who is now in a B-movie scenario in real life, and it leans in very much. So all That's of the great. solutions are that kind of caliber. Um, sample language. Suddenly, the figure at the front throws up its arms. The chanting stops immediately, and the crowd leaned forward as if as one, as if in anticipation. Slowly, the lone figure pushes back its hood. You start with shock. It's Dr. Horror himself. Arnie Mallet, the head of the studio. No! (laughs) It's that kind of stuff. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. And I, when, right after this, too, your first thing you do once you get through this cult escapade, uh, turns out they say, oh, no, this could spell trouble. You're in peril. And it's like a cutscene. That's like a quick time action scene where you have, like, one of, you know, one or two actions to take in this linear sequence. And once you finish, they tell you, you have survived one perilous situation. <laughs> like, check your score. <laughs> um, and you can just keep track of how many perilous things. The history of the game is a list of all the perilous situations you got through. Um, charming as heck. The only reason I haven't finished it is it is over two hours. Yeah. It is a lengthy game. Uh, I'm... About an hour 15 in. 
So I have quite a bit. And I don't know if I've been solving quickly or slowly. I've been trying to not um, use too many hints because I thought the uh, language when you mess up is pretty funny. Uh, nice. Who knows if that will last, you know, after I get past the one hour 15 mark. But um, I love it when a fail state is as fun as su- success. You know, it just makes something feel so much better to play. That really makes me want to talk about a game that's been making me happy. I'm not sure when I'll find the time to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but uh, failing to be stealthy in uh, in Deathloop is super fun. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, and they, that was made by the people who made Dishonored, where also it was a ton of fun if you failed, uh, you know, so... Um, they know what they're doing with that. So m- maybe I know Shane. We've talked about doing an episode on Deathloop, and we can get all your thoughts out on that. On that, then, but Deathloop might be the opposite of interactive fiction. So <laughs> probably. Well, I, I, if we do Deathloop, I haven't played, but I, I hope to be able to yell. Oh no, this kid's about trouble. You're in peril. Just I want to just yell that for the next <laughs> like 18 games we play because it's very funny to hear that over and over again. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it's definitely a puzzle fest, but it is a very funny one. It reminds me uh, a little bit of Zazzled in that way, that there's nice. a lot of like jokes in with the puzzles. Yeah. I, I think this is going to do quite well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that I, I, this, the appeal to this sounds uh, pretty wide ranging. So well, I, I, I thought based on the description, it was going to be played straight, like you were in the movie. Once I realized it was this kind of interim in a movie, not in a movie feel, like I really thought it was much more creative. So yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, now we're going to turn it over to Reagan to share with us some of his thoughts on the games that he played. Hi there, this is Reagan. I am traveling this week, so I wasn't able to play quite as much for the comp as I would have normally liked, and I also obviously wasn't able to record with folks. So uh, you get this recording of me. Uh, Where and when am I recording this? It It is a mystery. Wouldn't you like to know? Uh, So I really only played one game that I thought was really worth talking about, um, and it was a a game called And Then You Come to a House Not Unlike the Previous One by BJ Best. Um, As it turns out, I've played a couple of games by BJ Best in the past. Um, In 2017, they had a game in uh, the uh, the IF Comp called The Unofficial Sea Monkey Simulation, and uh, I remember really liking it. It's a twine game. Uh, and it was sort of, uh, 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 it had a sea monkey raising simulator, but that was sort of just like a smoke screen for telling a personal story about a family. Um, I, I don't remember a whole lot of details about it now, but I do remember playing it and, uh, and liking it quite a bit. Um, last year they had a game in the comp that didn't do particularly well. I think it was kind of surrealist and I, I don't, uh, I, I don't think it plays super high, but like this year they have a game that honestly, I think is one of the best parser games I've played for the comp uh, in a while. Like, I really, really enjoy this one a lot. Um, and it has some things about it that are, that are really stand out cool. Um, so, and then you come to a house not unlike the previous one, uh, the title is hard to say, is a game kind of based on a uh, game within a game. 
So if you read the description on this on the uh, the comp page, uh, the description just says title: Infinite Adventure, Year 1986, Genre: Adventure. Summary: Wander through an apparently infinite number of spooky mansions, solving a basic puzzle in each one. ForgottenGames.com rating three stars. So like. You know, it's setting you up like this is a game about if this game within a game, this sort of, you know, abandoned wear or uh, or, you know, old DOS game. Um, and if that's sounding slightly familiar from something slightly differently placed on the comp page, uh, one of the really neat things about this is this game focuses very heavily, but not entirely on this sort of game within a game, a DOS game from 1986, a, a fake DOS game from 1986 called Infinite Adventure. If you look for Infinite Adventure on the comp page, uh, I'm assuming BJ Best under a pseudonym, but perhaps a different person or collaborator called A. Scotts, and I, I, with no links to that person. I have, I have no, uh, I, I don't know whether this is actually by BJ Best or uh, or maybe a collaborator named A. Scotts, uh, but I I suspect A. Scotts is a uh, is a pseudonym for BJ Best. He or they created a actual DOS version of this game within a game. It's like a fairly simple, but theoretically infinite, uh, you know, interactive fiction or, you know, text adventure game in the, in the very eighties style. Um, but that game is not required for this. Think of that. I think more as like a feely for, and now you come to a house and in some ways feelies are one of the things that this does pretty well uh, apart from that also i i'll mention that if you check out the walkthrough for this it's also a bit of a feely that has a very retro style it's a nice pdf that does some does some cool stuff uh that feels very um very like part of the experience so it, it, in a way this sort of feels like the old throwback to the old uh, infocom days of having uh you know having extra materials that accompany the game that are you know pretty elaborate and i mean what's more elaborate than an actual uh dos game entirely separately entered as its own thing anyway all that aside and then you come to a house not unlike the previous one is a game about the act of playing games um you are playing as a boy named m i think it's short for emerson if i'm remembering that correctly um and your best friend riley uh, a girl. I think you guys. I think the two characters are in their young teens. Uh, I don't remember their exact ages if they're mentioned. Um, but you, it's 1986, and you've just gone over to Riley's house uh, to play. Uh, you know, theoretically to play a game that's just come out that she has on her home DOS computer uh, that you're very excited to play. Um, but it's clear also that something really momentous is happening in both of your lives. This is your best friend and she is moving away. The house is halfway packed up. Lots of stuff is in boxes. Um, and, uh, the future is seeming really uncertain for your friendship. You know, this is 1986 moving across the country away from your best friend is a death sentence for a relationship, right? Um, because you know, the internet doesn't exactly exist in its, in, you know, in a, in a uh, recognizable form yet. Um, and it's clear that kind of you both see this coming. So that aspect of this game, this sort of personal, you know, moment with this friend at what feels like the end of a relationship, um, is like a really important part of this, but also this is a game about playing games on an old DOS computer. And so, you know, you, you come to this office where, you know, Riley has her, uh, has her computer set up and you boot it up and, um, you can, 
choose from a number of different programs or games that exist on this computer. Um, Infinite Adventure is the main one, but there are a few others. And the thing that this game does that's really astonishing is that, uh, so it starts it starts sort of breaking the fourth wall, I guess, uh, in really interesting ways. So, you know, you start playing Infinite Adventure, which takes the form of this fairly simple adventure game where you um, can, you know, you're, it puts you into small spaces, say two or three adventure gamey style rooms, you know, connected by, by hallways or what have you. Um, and each time you play it, there's a different quest, but the quests are always super, super simple. Like, you know, there's a thief here and he wants a valuable object and you go and search the rooms and find a gem and you give that gem to the thief. Hey, you won that kind of thing. But this gets more complicated as it goes each time you play it. Uh, But eventually things from the game start sort of bleeding out into the real life. There's things about the, the world within infinite adventure, like the names of the rooms, for example, that starts to really mirror the, the world, the room that you're in with, with Riley, um, or going into, uh, um, going into other games within the computer. So for example, there's an educational game about a doctor and you can go into that, uh, educational game, talk to the doctor and information or objects that you take from there that you add to your inventory, stay in your inventory when you leave that game, or even when you leave the computer and go back to the world with, uh, Riley sitting next to you at a computer desk, um, the the sort of inventory carries over in a way that feels very surreal um but it's it's really really cool um it's not super super heavy on puzzles but it's definitely one where i um but there, there's stuff to chew on uh something i think is really nice about this game is that it makes it pretty clear that there are multiple solutions for every puzzle so um you know for example i'm just going to come up with a fake example like There might be, for example, a puzzle where you need a ball and there might be different ball shaped objects available to you in different places in either the house or in the various games slash applications on the PC. And you could go and get one from potentially two or three different places, it seems like, um, that ball is not an actual one, but there's different things like that in the game. Uh, and what really worked about this for me though is the story with riley i believe there's multiple endings if you take the time to really work at the various games um you can get an ending that i found really satisfying um i think there are less optimal endings as well um and i like that the game lets you do that sort of thing where you can just sort of end the game early and get a quote quote unquote bad ending um but yeah, I, I, I super recommend this one. Um, I think this is a really strong contender. Uh, I, I also think it's really cool to see. I think this is the um, the only the third thing that BJ Best has published, or at least uh, the third their third comp entry. If they've if they've created other IF, um, I don't know of it, and it doesn't appear on the IFDB. So um, I don't know what else they've done. Um, but I was this is really polished. It's clear they really worked on this for a long time. I bet you they had beta testers. I didn't notice any bugs or anything. Um, I, I thought I, I really had a great experience with this. And the little stuff like the the like incredibly nicely done walkthrough PDF um, that feels like a part of the a part of the game experience in a in a way, or the absolutely wild. I'm sure there are secrets in that DOS game version of infinite adventure. Um, I didn't spend enough time with that to actually 
see if it does anything different than the sort of game within a game version within the uh you know within the i think glucks or Glo- i don't remember i never remember how to pronounce that you know the parser based thing here um but uh it's it's really an astonishing uh piece of if uh, it took me about two hours to play start to finish which is right on the money with their estimate on the comp page and uh, i absolutely recommend checking this one out um i think it's uh i think it's definitely one to watch in the comp i was really impressed um so uh i haven't heard most of the episode i uh that you guys recorded without me yet so uh, i'm looking forward to hearing it uh so i'll turn it back over to you awesome thank you reagan what compelling thoughts you just shared um (laughs) uh so i think that's going to uh wrap up this week's episode on the if comp we are planning at least one more episode when the comp wraps to talk about the uh maybe some of the games that we played in between now and then and talk about the winners and our overall takeaways from this year's comp um uh, so still a little bit more coverage. So please keep those recommendations coming. Um, they've been very, very helpful and we love hearing from you. Uh, if you want to share things with us even more directly, become a member of our Patreon, join hey. us on the discord, uh, members of any dollar amount, get access to the discord. It's a great time. We've been having a ton of fun talking with I have comp and the other games that we're playing. Uh, in the discord and if you subscribe at five dollars you get yourself some really nice stickers uh they look great they feel great they're worth it uh you know rep the brand get that short game stuff all over your your car and your in your video game consoles that's what we've been doing so uh yeah, and uh, if you want to leave a review on iTunes, we also appreciate that, um, and we'll read it on the show. And you can also speak to us directly at the shortgame.net, where we have a content form. You can find all the episodes and show notes that we've done in the past. Uh, you can also find the show on Twitter at underscore shortgame. You can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? Find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. And Reagan, where can people find you? CK you can actually find me at Reagan K on Twitter. <laughs> at Reagan K. Um, nice. And thank you all for listening to The Short Game. Do-do-do. <laughs>